I just want to say thank you to Creighton for the wonderful um, and meaningful donation. It really means a lot. And I am very happy to know that our story from last week really touched the hearts of um, a lot of you. Um, if you are struggling with mental health or anything like that, please know that you are not alone. And there's always people here to support you. So thank you again, Creighton. Thank you again for all of our other listeners who were touched by that episode as well. So today we have a very special guest dun, dun, dun. who I've been recording podcast episodes with many times, but you haven't. No, this is my first. <laughs> hello. <laughs> hello. 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 Karina Schmidt. Yes, that's me. How are you doing? How's also, it hanging? Yeah. Also known as Kari Safari. Yes. Yes. How does it feel to film a different podcast but in the same room that you film your other podcast? Weird. And now <laughs> I have to speak English. I'm not so good at this, you you're, know? You're very good at it. That's, Don't pretend. Yeah. How, uh, howdy. Howdy. Howdy, Justin. That's how you... Welcome to my podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you usually greet everyone. Yes, I do. <laughs> so, yeah. today... Um, we didn't really ask you if you had like a special topic you wanted to talk about. No, I was also <laughs> not prepared for anything. I'm like, would you like to take a look at the list? It's 10 a.m. Monday morning. I just woke up. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? Would you like to take a look at our topic list and pick one? Or do you want to go with the default one that we picked for you? Oh, yes. There's a chance for another topic. What would it be? Hmm. We don't want to spoil anything here in public. Maybe... It has to do with Berlin, right? Yes. yes. The whole podcast is about Berlin. Yeah, I heard that. And uh, helping people move to Berlin. We have lots of like boring topics still. Not not so many. We could talk about insurances or taxes <laughs> or... No, that's not finding the... Finding a job. No. That's not the most interesting. How about we talk about learning German? In Berlin. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but there was there was one topic that I also find interesting to talk about. Berlin mentality. Mm, okay, and let's we, talk about that. We just, last week, we just um, had, we, we went out and there were several people complaining about people being mean. Oh, <laughs> yes. You, were, you both <laughs> were there. <laughs> so now I have this video idea in mind. If people are being mean to you in Germany and in Berlin in particular. What, Ooh, I love this topic. Yes. What's the strategy if people are mean to you in Berlin? And why are they mean to you? Throw coffee in their face. That's, <laughs> that's a good point. I mean, there are several reasons why they are being mean. And there are several ways out, I guess. I mean, there's not one way, but they are different strategies to cope with it as i heard and give us some examples well if i can start with an example from my own life i have like first um i mean there are many small things where you see this in everyday life you come to a shop and then someone is just being rude or you like you you feel like you're not the customer you are the intruder like you come in and you want something and people look at you or almost yell at you for mm -hmm. wanting their service. And that's, I think that's really uh, strange for many people who are yeah. new in Berlin, including many Germans, because it's also, it's, I think it's a mix of German 
I mean, there are th- some aspects that people will find strange here that are maybe all over Germany, like, for example, peeping, people correcting you, people trying to educate you about things you have to do right in public, let's say in in traffic. Like mm-hmm. if you stand at the red light, people will yell at you. I mean, if you stand at the green light and you don't go, if you go across the red light, people yell at you. If, if you, you walk in the bike lane, people yell at you. Exactly. <laughs> I'll be yelling at you. <laughs> so that's something, for example, that Manu and I would also do. Like we are the one. <laughs> <laughs> we are also You're the, the reason for the trauma. <laughs> <laughs> we are also the annoying Germans in that in that case. Um, but then there is something that is also somehow even more true in Berlin, and that's I mean, some people would refer to it as Berliner Schnauze. That means that you have like like literally it means Berlin mouth mouth or something like that and it's it's like a a nice way to describe that berliners are very straightforward and rough mm-hmm. i guess and yeah it happens to you in shops i mean here in this area where we live you actually don't have a lot of shops that are owned or run by true berliners it's mm-hmm. like either foreigners from outside germany or foreigners from outside berlin like mm-hmm. Germans from other places who come here to be more free and live a more, let's say, open lifestyle than they are used to in their smaller towns, maybe. So in general, you would find a very open and nice atmosphere because the whole world, everybody's moving to Berlin, as you, <laughs> as you know. And I think people come here to have a different experience and not be stuck in a kind of, you know, like, let's say the mindset of a small town or something mm. like that. Now, my question is, how do you go about on both ends of things? But let's go from the, let's say, the tourist or the the new new beginner person in Berlin. How do you go about, you know, dealing with people who kind of have that type of like mentality towards you? Because there is in some way where I've witnessed where like for me, I get where they're coming from. But then also, I am at a point now where just because you have been here your entire life does not mean you get to treat me any type of way. So it's like, how do you kind of go about, you know, not getting in an argument, but also, you know, being able to stand your ground and say, look, I made a mistake, but you don't have to yell at me for it. Yeah, just like that, I guess, saying like, hey, um, you know, I'm happy to learn. You are welcome to give me feedback, but please stay friendly. And I think... Often it helps people being reminded that sometimes it also just helps to cry. (laughs) (laughs) So I I want to mention this whole thing of Berliners being rude and you being treated rudely has become almost kind of like a a meme. Like everybody seems to know about it now. But it really, I think we should stress, it really is true and it really happens. I personally know several people who in their first few weeks or months in the city cried and not like people who are usually big criers just because someone treated them so rough and yeah so (laughs) it is a thing and you need to be prepared for it my strategy is a different one i i don't tell people hey treat me with with respect be nicer you fight them i i fight them kill them with kindness and but like maybe it's slightly passive aggressive because I do it in a ridiculous uh-huh. way then. But <laughs> when someone is like that to me in a, in a shop or anywhere, I just switch this 
like this hyper friendly, you know, almost, I don't know, Southern California. I just like, <laughs> I reply like, oh, thank you so much. That's like, I just treat them as if they were the nicest person in the world. That is and so it, helpful for me, it, Manuel. Thank you so It's slightly so passive aggressive, but I swear to God, it works because it throws them off. Like you can tell in their, in their eyes that they don't really know what to do now. And usually it like takes it down a notch at least. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that doesn't always work. Like if you, I think if you are in a situation where you expect things to be like that, it's, it's okay. And if you are in the right mood for it, but if you are in a vulnerable situation, mm -hmm. then maybe you don't have a strategy and then maybe like crying is the right thing. I, I don't, don't know about just flicking someone off. When they do that, sometimes I'm, yeah. I'm just there. Sometimes I'm that just can like, escalate quickly that, is that, the problem. That's, and that's why I haven't done it. Yeah. I'm just like, that's Ooh. what I sometimes do in traffic. <laughs> you do? Wow. But just it's the, interesting. Just on the highway when there's no other way. Like, I feel like, yeah, because like, I, sometimes there if is I no honk, other way. it's too disturbing. So I just give people <laughs> looks or fingers. Or I'm, I don't know. I feel like I'm sometimes I'm being. I mean, I'm never the aggressor. I feel like I'm just, you know, responding. Matching the you. energy. Yeah. Because what do you do on the highway? But that's another topic. I, so instead of flipping people off, I recommend waving and smiling. I'm talking about a different situation. But like, okay, I can give you an example of like the first time I went to a hospital in Berlin. Mm. That was like where my actual culture shock happened because that was already, I've already been in Berlin for three years. And I felt like, okay, I'm used to, you know, for example, I'm sitting in a restaurant the person brings the wrong dish or the wrong drink and I'm saying like, hey, I ordered this and they are mad at you for <laughs> letting them yeah. know they made a mistake. They are not saying like, oh, I'm sorry, let me bring you something else. They are like, so what? <laughs> and then they, they say like, yeah, und? And essence it? No, that, maybe not like that. But they, I have seen this many times and I've seen it in groups of like with foreigners who are even like more like shocked yeah. about this than I am. But when I remember when I first came to the hospital in Berlin, like I was really in a vulnerable situation. I felt like I didn't know exactly what I had. So I had to go to hospital to take some examinations and I could have, I could have had, or there was the idea that I could have had something, you know, sincere. So I was like vulnerable. I came in And first thing they told me, I'm at the wrong place. I need to register first. So it's like, here's keine Registrierung. Or first, sie müssen zur Registrierung gehen. And then I'm like, okay, could you please tell me where the registration is? I go there. There's a person who has time. I'm at the right place. Lucky me. So I take this questionnaire that includes like, in the case of death, what should we do with your body? Oh my God. While another person comes in. And I see in her eyes that she's just as like in the same state that I was, you know, like feeling, feeling insecure and maybe being afraid of going to the hospital. That's something that everyone has, I think. And why are people not trained to accommodate this when you arrive in the hospital? There should be a whole welcome team saying like, hey, how are you? Let me help you. Instead, people are yelling at you. So I sit there and this other woman asked like, hey, I'm looking for the reg registration, difficult word. And then the woman who talks to me and takes this questionnaire while we talk about my potential death, <laughs> yells at her and says like, can't you see I'm busy here? 
And I'm like, oh my God, you know, this made my experience worse and the woman's experience even worse because that was her first interaction with the hospital. And mm -hmm. this was just the registration. Like it went Magic, on and yeah. on. And I felt like, like then I had to come back a few times for some other checkups. And I felt like after the second time, I already, I treated it like a comedy and I felt like, okay, people are just, it's just like, I just feel like I'm in a movie. And I felt more secure and I felt like more like I know my places, I know the procedures, so I could feel more secure now and take it less personal. And if you if you can see it like that, it's it's actually kind of funny how yeah. rude people are to themselves, essentially, you know, like why would you come with such a bad mood to work and why would you, I don't know, like... You live with that the whole yeah. day, you know. I just have a 10-minute or five-minute interaction with you, but you grow You're like that with every single person. Right. Yeah. And is it, I mean, <clears throat> can we speculate on the reasons why this happens? One example that I also witnessed several times is um, people refusing to speak English, not so much in the shops or cafes, but in the offices like the Bürgeramt. Yes. Oh like, my God. And I was, I, I had an appointment and at the table, it was like several tables next to each other. And at the table next to me, there was someone who had just moved here, clearly didn't speak any German. And yet the woman working there was speaking to him in German as if he understood and just kind of raising her voice whenever he didn't get the question and just repeating yes. it louder. I am waving and I my literally turned right and I told her like, I don't think he has hearing problems. I don't think that's the issue. And then I helped translate and I kind of understand that it's like a, a mechanism to protect yourself against, I don't know, like if you don't speak any English and you work there, like what are you going to do? I get it, but the solution shouldn't be raising your voice. Your solution should be maybe asking, hey, is there someone you can call who can help translate? Or should we ask the person sitting right next to us if they can help? Like, why is what they're res resorting to raising their voice? Yes. Make any sense? Oh my gosh, I've had that problem at least three times already. A few with nurses where like I went to a place and I was like, my German is not good. And she continued to speak to me in German. I'm just like, I just use sign language at that point where I'm like, okay, she's obviously, we're not, I mm -hmm. can't get an appointment. And then I tried to get like a walk in like, um, um, covid test and like i was struggling to like type it into like my phone what she was saying and she was just like i'm just not going to help you and so like that and i'm like does anyone speak english like I, i prepared those words and she was like do you speak german and i'm like no i don't and it's like there's just like no sense of like meeting me halfway yeah and i think i said it's like one like in one of the first episodes of like yeah everyone speaks german here and i get it but also Is it possible to meet people halfway? And it's weird because Berlin is like famous as the city where you don't need to learn German ever because everybody yeah. speaks English and it's so diverse and international. And yet there are some situations where people are just really not flexible at all. No. 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 It's just this flexibility thing. But I think you made a good point, um, Gardy, when you said not taking it personal, which that's something that I am definitely learning to do. Because especially like, 
whenever you go into these new places, you feel like all eyes are always on you, you know, that you're the, re- the mess up or whatnot. But then you hear all these other stories and you realize that you're just one in a million people who have had the same exact experience. Yeah. And that definitely does make it like a lot easier, I think, to go through um, time and time again when you're like, okay, this is not me. This is just the culture here. This is just the vibe. And I also think that Berlin is changing in a way. It's maybe something we don't see, but I think people are aware that, I mean, at least some of some people are aware that things are changing. Some people, I would assume that more people speak English now than 10 years ago and that people are more used to, you know, like, or more aware, let's say, that their way of treating people is not always working well or that maybe other people have other expectations. And, you know, for example, one, things you read is that Berlin bus drivers get special trainings now to, you know, speak English and treat people nicely. It's funny <laughs> that you need a training for that, but as a bus driver, you are like a public servant, you know, you're there to help people, you transport people, and sometimes you have to communicate with them, possibly often during the day, And then if you yell at people because they, I don't know, used the wrong entrance or whatever you can do wrong in a bus, it's like, it's not helpful. And it's not helpful, not just for this person, but also for the image of the city of Berlin, the image of Germany, the fact, I mean, Germany needs migrants. And it's, this is something that is now, I think, slowly understood that it's not like we can afford to scare people off forever mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> thanks for being here yeah. just <laughs> and, and coping with it <laughs> you know and that, that was another thing that like i always like felt conflicted about was like how welcomed i was in the city based of that type of mentality and how welcome you know migrants are um because i'm a person who you know always believes that you know we should always be able to you know move to wherever we want to and this is a great opportunity for me to experience and indulge in a culture but it's a weird like um like negative spiral when like a lot of people here are maybe upset that a lot of people aren't learning German or not adapting, but they also don't make it easy for those people to adapt and learn into assimilate into the culture. So it's like, if you want people to like embrace the culture and you want people to adapt, and you want people to learn, and you want people to actually know, be able to speak it eventually one day, then you have to meet them halfway. And it seems like there's like, sometimes none of that push and pull type of thing. But then once again, It always does vary depending on who you meet and like where you're at. Cause like um, when I went to one of the doctor's offices, um, it was the only one that spoke like English to me. And I was so nervous, so nervous. And then she was like, it's okay, calm down. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> thank mm-hmm. you. So there's always, like I said, like those those small moments where people are really good. But sometimes you just, it's like, oh, roll the dice when you enter into a store. You just never know who you're going to get. Yeah. Okay, speaking of learning German, which will, I mean, it will alleviate all of this a little bit once you're able to just talk. Yeah, you can yell back. <laughs> you can yell back. <laughs> you can say, actually, I speak, ich spreche Deutsch. Um, so, obviously, um, you've dedicated your life to teaching people learn German. That sounds a lot. By accident, kind of. Yes. Yeah. 
Well, but wouldn't you say that's true? Um, yeah, it's true. So, <laughs> I, I, I guess our question or what yeah, we want to talk about <laughs> is, besides obviously watching and listening to Easy German, what's the best way to learn German once you're in Berlin? Uh, oh, <laughs> I guess there are many ways. Um, but essentially, I guess it's a mix. Like, you should listen, you should um, speak, you should write. And you should read. What what other things? Are How long? So for someone listening who hasn't started learning German at all and is planning to come to Berlin, how long, how much time, what's the time investment to get to a level that will get you through everyday life pretty well? And what's that level? Oof, that's, I mean, that maybe I'm not like, I'm, I mean, I can... I can just say that it's very, very different. There's like maybe, I guess if you know the A1 vocabulary and you can, you have done an A1 course, I mean, you can talk or you know the basic vocabulary. That doesn't mean you understand everything in everyday life because people, you know, use abbreviations or slang or there are more difficult words than A1. So I guess it's like, a process and you should treat it as a process always. Like even if you've like been learning for five years, you will still learn new things. But I I mean, there are some people who can, you know, understand a lot of things after three or six months. If you dedicate a lot of time, that means like maybe not just 10 minutes a day as I currently do in Spanish and then I forget <laughs> I everything again <laughs> but you should dedicate I guess one or two hours a day and then I guess you'll make progress um, faster and I would assume and and I mean there's even the option to do a full-time course if you can afford that because you have time and money then I guess that makes it even faster if you like you know you have conversation classes four hours a day you read and listen to things two hours a day I guess you'll be able to progress pretty quickly but you know there are people who need more time and that's also okay and I would like to emphasize that it's okay to take more time um I am very excited for the, you know, the journey of learning German or whatnot, but it was definitely one of those things where, especially moving here and with all of the other things that I was doing, adding learning German on top of that, it was, it added a little bit to like my stress of like, like moving here and getting like a simulator and everything like that. And one of the things that um, I'm realizing now is that it's going to take a little bit of time for me to get to that point. And that's okay. You know, it's okay to take baby steps. Like I'm taking a, um, one of our German classes right now is a one. And one of the girls that's in my class, she's been here for two years. So I'm yeah, like, yeah. if she's been here for two years and she's doing a one, I'm okay to relax. Absolutely. Right yeah. You shouldn't have any pressure. It's also okay if you're here for five years and you're mm -hmm. taking a one, because there are reasons, you know, yeah, and it's exactly. not that, I mean, obviously, it's it helps you to speak German if you are in Germany, but it's not that it's necessary, you know? If it was necessary, people wouldn't be living here for 10 years mm -hmm. without speaking yeah. German. You can get along pretty well, and you can make friends, you can go out, you can even go to the doctor in English, maybe not to everyone, but it's absolutely possible to live here without speaking German. Mm -hmm. And if even if you don't do any active learning, you 
automatically pick up the language somewhat just by being here. But I will make a strong case for being, um, what's the word? Um, dedicated or like not just learning through assimilation. I think that can work for some people better than for others. Being intentional with being intentional. Yes. Being very intentional with, and I agree with you that you can take your time. If you don't have any time, then spend 20 minutes a day, but be intentional about those 20 minutes. And I, Kari, you mentioned this as a recommendation for people who have the time and the money, but I really agree that starting off with some kind of intensive course can really kind of kickstart your journey. Like when I moved to Poland, I had the privilege of doing a two-week full-time intensive course. And I came there with like an A1 level. And then like that brought me, I don't know, to an A2 level or something. Like it, it just, it was really helpful to have that kickstart at the beginning. And then to like throughout the year that I lived there, learn intentionally. And yeah, if you can do that, I would, I would, do the same and then also just um besides picking up german through conversations and media and everything just setting aside those 20 or 30 minutes to actually study actually study vocabulary grammar and it it will make a big difference and it will make a difference probably not so much in how much you understand because that kind of listening comes almost automatically when you live here but being able to communicate and communicating well and kind of being happy with how you sound. Uh, another thing that um, Chris had actually um, mentioned um, was that he kind of used it also like where he was like speaking to himself mm-hmm. and also using it in a more like survival method. So like <laughs> learning what he needed to get by and doing that, you always have a reason to learn something. Because that was also some... some um, Part of um, struggle that I had with like, okay, like I'm starting, but like I'm not starting with anything that I'm applying to my like everyday life. So I will spend maybe my 10 or 20 minutes um, learning vocab, but then I will forget about it. But when you're like constantly, okay, let's say I need to go order something or I need to go talk to this person and go talk to that person. What's the proper um, sentence structure? What particularly goes like for this type of um, conversation or environment? That kind of, I think, inspires you to once again, have more intention with how you're learning it and stuff like that. Then it kind of being a little bit more random where you're not really able to apply it to your like everyday lifestyle. Absolutely. I mean, you should, if you are in Berlin already or in Germany, you should take advantage of that and build it into your everyday life. I mean, it also has something maybe to do with how um, confident you are to address strangers, for example. I mean, if you feel like that's an issue anyway, then it's it makes it more difficult. Like, yeah. For example, I when I was younger, <laughs> I worked in a in a Dutch German office and one of my jobs was that I sometimes had to call people in the Netherlands and it was expected of me to speak to them in Dutch. And I was already at a level where if I had been more confident, I could have taken this as a positive challenge and said, okay, now let's prepare for that. Let's test my level of Dutch and see how far I can go without switching to German or English. But I felt like totally insecure about it. I felt like uh, I I felt awful. Like I felt like I, people will see any or hear anyway that I'm not native. So they will switch anyway. And then I thought like all my colleagues in the office are listening to me 
making the phone call. That's also annoying. If I say something wrong, everyone will laugh at me. Like, you know, I had these thoughts and that it totally blocked me from having this positive experience. But if you, you know, if you can set, like get yourself into this mindset and say, like, okay, this is like Berlin is my stage and I can just try things out without, you know, feeling bad about it. If you, and this can be small steps. You can say like, okay, this week or this month, I'm focusing on interactions in shops and I'm just learning the vocabulary I need. I learn like the 10, 20 most useful verbs. I learn by heart how to conjugate them. I understand. I try to understand and write down all the sentences that people could say to me. And I write on the sentences of things that I would want in the shop. And then I just go and try out things. And I mean, sometimes you'll have an unpleasant experience because someone's unfriendly, or maybe sometimes someone will see you're a foreigner and respond in English. And then yeah, you know, you, say that. your experiment is like <laughs> it failed. <laughs> failed. But sometimes you'll have a good experience and this will make you, you know, this will motivate you to yeah. go mm-hmm. further and do the next thing and yes. maybe now do... I don't know, a doctor's visit in Germany or whatever. <laughs> I, I have two recommendations that are related. The first one is from Raf and Rita from Easy French and Easy Italian. And I've heard it in other places as well, which is to, especially in the beginning, don't focus so much on learning individual words, but learn entire phrases because that will kind of kickstart you. Like, like you said, if you have some kind of appointment, learn some sentences that you can just kind of say the entire sentence and yeah you might get stuck when they reply and then you don't understand and stuff yep, like that that's the plot twist but it will <laughs> that's the plot twist but it will it will help you kind of do more in the beginning as if you're like trying to create new sentences all the time from you know from scratch the other recommendation that i have comes from a blog that really helped me learn spanish called deliberatespanish.com um and we recently met the guy who writes it mm, I also in met him. Barcelona. Yes, it was very nice. And his recommendation was to write, to have a mistakes journal. So first of all, like ask everybody who you're speaking with or who is German or speaks German around you to correct your mistakes. And then don't just say, yes, thank you. Write down the mistake that you made. And then review your mistakes. I, I did this when I traveled in Latin America. I wrote down every mistake that got corrected, either verbally or I was also like writing a journal in Spanish every day and I had, had it corrected by my tandem partner. And then the, all those mistakes, I wrote them down and then I reviewed my mistakes journal every week. And I specifically noted the mistakes that I had been doing several times. And those I was, I, I then looked at and like made a conscious decision to not repeat that mistake and it's a much more effective way to like get rid of these mistakes that otherwise can become habitual and then you keep doing them thank you man. yes yes that's then for the advanced thank level. you for attending my <laughs> <TED> talk. <laughs> i like that i like that but no um i definitely being able to get feedback definitely um, can help out a lot because sometimes if someone corrects you and you kind of just it kind of just goes out the window and then you kind of forget but being able to apply all your mistakes so like that definitely does help in the future um, but also going back to uh, one of the the plot twists that you said my struggle is always with I, I know the first sentence 
But after they respond, I'm lost. <laughs> after that, I'm like, all right, it's back to English time because all, all I practiced was just that first sentence in German. And they responded, I'm like, English now <laughs> or speaking? At, at least you, at least you say so. There's been many. When I used to work in the Apple Store, I remember so many times people would come in and would start talking in German, and so I'd continue the conversation in German, and then I'd ask them questions, and they'd just say "yeah, yeah, yeah," <laughs> and eventually it'd be a question that wasn't a yes/no question, and they'd just be "yeah," and I'm like, "No, no, I asked you how much space do you need?" <laughs> so, yeah. uh, but you know, you can also you know have a strategy for that by. Learning a few sentences like, could you speak a bit slower? Or, I'm mm -hmm. sorry, I'm still That's learning. True. I didn't understand that. Could you describe that in a different way? I mean, not everyone will follow up. Then maybe people switch to English. But at least then you you, you have, have finished. To to. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and you you are not you don't feel overwhelmed. And you have kind of finished and closed the German part of the yeah. conversation. And That's it feels true. good. That's true. So what's your, like... How do you learn German now? What's your strategy? strategy? My strategy is taking the classes because that helps me, you know, be um, accountable. Um, I need to get back to like my other stuff. But before I was using Seedling, I would do um, like if I was doing like th 30 minutes a day, I would do 15 minutes of Seedling to 15 minutes of Duolingo. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll probably kind of do that again. And then I think the, what we kind of just talked about, I think the survival like technique of like preparing sentences, like and preparing intentional sentences will help me a lot more because if it's like just kind of the random ish type of learning, I'm going to forget it. Like I just know myself enough to know that I'm not the most important things in my toolkit right now. But I think um, like, today and past is probably going to be learning those sentences and actually now adding the um can you speak a little slower yeah. all type of stuff to it too um i think process definitely changes um of course because like right now my life is still changing like i'm not settled here just yet um technically i'm not supposed to be here <laughs> <We're> being <laughs> honest <laughs> no you're you're still oh your visa runs out today right what yeah. i don't i don't think this is something we should discuss publicly <laughs> no no but it's it's We're, fine because you yes. like, they confirmed that it's it's a common thing that berlin offices are slow it's uh, like yeah. you're not the first one who lives through this it's i know uh, but then there's stressful. a grace period if it's yeah. their fault no no it means like if you have already filed for your Uh, visa and it's They their fault yeah. then you can stay it's yeah. just like it's it's still annoying because now technically I'm a rebel. you're in no man's land <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and you, you can probably not easily travel and stuff like that yeah, so it's um, it's annoying so I, but yes but i digress we're on um, it <laughs> yeah so we got that <laughs> yeah But um, but yeah, so like, there's so much going on, and my life is still changing. So I'm really, I still am trying to figure out my routine. Um, so the process is constantly changing. Like I am not at a level where I feel I am confident enough to like sit down and like review German like each and every day. But like, it's still like it's going back to the intentional thing. It's still an idea of mine, and thankfully I work in a language learning company, so it, like it, I'm, it's never in the back of my mind. You know, it, it's always in the front. And I think even just being around, you know, everyone um, speaking German, or whatnot, um, I've learned to use those opportunities not to zone out, but also to try to like zone in like a 
little bit and see if there are words I can pick up on and stuff, just so I can like slowly start to like kind of feel more immersed into it. Um, so more my my strategy now was more passive, but still like conscious. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I feel like what I've always been missing in the past, like I'm now using Seedling for Spanish. I don't have much motivation to learn Spanish, I have to say. Is there that. Seedling mm -hmm. for Spanish? Not, no, it's not out yet. I'm just <laughs> testing it, but uh -huh. it, it will come soon. But the, um, the funny thing is that I have always wanted to have such thing. Like it's, it's basically maybe, let's say the current product is like a mix of like, you can see new things like on Duolingo, but also review them. And that's, that's what I'm mostly doing. Like I'm actually, um, I'm just like, I'm just driven by the software, let's say, you know, like I add new things to my reviews and then I review them whenever I have to. And then obviously, Often I don't remember things. I have to set my reviews back and start from from scratch again with some words. But it's great because now I feel like I've memorized things. I've not put them into practice. But once the motivation comes, like let's mm. say I meet Francisco. Let's soon. hear what would you what would you say if Hola, qué tal? <laughs> Yo soy Cari. Vivo en Albania. Ah. Muy bien, muy bien. All of his, ¿Cómo estás? <laughs> muy bien. <laughs> you too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I cannot say that that much, but I do have like I start like building this passive knowledge, mm -hmm. which is good. Like for example, I only wish I had such thing for Polish mm -hmm. because in Polish I do have a high motivation and I do have lots of like. You know, I meet Polish in my everyday life because Janusz speaks it fairly often. So if, yeah, once, I mean, I guess there's also like other vocabulary tools for uh, Polish. But just the way that I can add my own reviews or my own words to the reviews and then review them. And that's something I would need for Polish. And then just being, in a way, I feel like I'm being forced because I have my streak. So... <laughs> it's a good tool, even yeah. if it's like a playful tool and it can potentially lead to nothing if you just mm -hmm. follow your streak and I don't know, you know, you know, you never put it into practice. You learn maybe for you can learn for a year or more with Duolingo or even Seedlang, I guess, and not be able to speak a sentence because you have just done vocabulary reviews and you can press the right answer. By, because you learned it by heart, mm -hmm. but then you don't have an ability to apply it. phrase a whole mm -hmm. sentence. So I guess it's always like a mix of things you need to do. Yeah. And I do like the aspect of like gamification and finding ways to make it entertaining. It can't seem like a full-time job, you know, because especially if you've already, you know, you have your entire work on top of that there. There's something fun about learning a language that I've always just seen, just fascinated by everyone else and their like joy of it. So there's some sort of like joy or love that I feel is important to be ingrained into, into it. And that can come from whether you apply to like, like speaking with a certain person or applying with a place that you really want to go visit or applying it in some sort of way that is close to your heart makes that thing easier to at least keep the intention going for a longer time so it doesn't just fizzle out in the end. Yeah. And that's another good reason why I like being in a different country because um, I 
lived in France, learned French for a little bit, moved back to the U.S., forgot all of it. Um, so being here in Germany, I'm kind of like in the environment where I'm always going to be surrounded by Germans. So it makes it so much easier for me to never forget that there's German around me, you know. In terms of resources, you mentioned the reviews on Seedling Curry and basically what that is is flashcards, right? It's yeah. spaced repetition. And I think that's another language learning hack, I think, is to, especially in the beginning, focus on vocabulary. Because if you know the top 2,000, 3,000 words, even if you don't know any grammar, you can almost automatically understand a lot of sentences. Um, you won't be able to create correct sentences necessarily, but you can already make yourself understood. So I think vocabulary is huge and spaced repetition. So uh, flashcards, whether it's in an app like Seedlang or there's other apps or in a little book or with little paper cards that you just then always have in your pocket and you just do them when you're on the bus, when you're on the subway, when you're in line at the supermarket, you just do, you just review three more words. It's like, it's the perfect thing that you can do in between. Mm -hmm. And if you make that a habit and you just make a dedication, like I'm, I won't scroll Instagram or Twitter, I will just review vocab whenever I'm mm -hmm. in line. That can make a big difference, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, yeah, that's, for me, it's like, it's both. It's like, I feel like you can have the motivation and the um, chance to speak every day, but you don't have maybe the discipline to, you know, learn 2,000 words. Mm -hmm. But this is where then this these gamification elements, like having a streak, um, for example, can come in and help you, which I think is great because it's like for me, Janusz still learns with the like paper flashcards. Flash mm -hmm. And that's something... It's very cute, and I think it's adorable that he does mm -hmm. it. And he actually uses them in everyday life. He walks around with them. And he even gave me a box, and I think me you, too. Manuel, <laughs> because he wants us to learn Polish, which is so sweet. And I've started learning with them, but it's just something I feel it. I don't feel like it's, I can do this anymore. It's mm -hmm. like, yeah. I like, I like the haptic feeling, but it's just, impractical like it's i have them on my kitchen table and i sometimes do them there but it's i think the secret is being able to do it anywhere yeah. and you d you're not gonna unless you're janos you're not gonna carry them around <laughs> <laughs> you know places so he has them everywhere in the like in the it, apartment the, yeah. he, has some, <laughs> he yeah. has some in his like um backpack and so on but yeah i mean to me it's these two things it's like they need to be combined that you have like the option to speak, which can be a class, which can be a tandem partner, which can be, you can also just practice in everyday life. You you sh you need to listen to stuff, and then you need to do all these things that are not so much fun. And if you have like a tool to help you make it become more fun, it's yeah. it's it helps, but it doesn't do the job. Like you know, you you can't just learn a language, as Manuel said, just from. Um, just from learning World Cup. A few more Berlin-specific resources that I, I want to mention. So one, not really Berlin-specific, but really easy in Berlin is find a tandem partner. There are There's the tandem app, I think. Is there what, mm -hmm. what, What's another good way to find a tandem partner? And can you explain what a tandem partner is? It's basically a buddy who is learning your native language and you're learning their native language and you make some kind of deal, commitment. When I've done it in the past... 
Usually it was we meet once per week and we meet for an hour and a half. And the first 45 minutes we only do German and the other 45 minutes we only do Polish, for example. And then whether you just chat and practice conversation or you work on a grammar book or whatever is kind of up to you, like what you want to focus on. But the point is that it's basically two people teaching each other the language for free. And often it also results in friendship. Yeah. And if you're new, it's also great to get to know people. That is a good one. Yeah. Apart from that, language schools, um, you're doing a course at GLS, mm -hmm. which is also an easy German sponsor, like Seedling, we should mention, full disclosure. Yeah. <laughs> also, you can get the free registration fee if you put easy German in the comment field at GLS. It is a really... I, I mean, I should ask you, is uh, how, how have the like course it. has been? It's been good. Um, I really like our teacher. Um, it's fully immersive, so they only speak German, which I think helps out a lot. Um, it makes me really have to focus and stuff. But um, I think it's good. I think the setting is just like a nice place. And they seem to have all their like stuff together and stuff. I, yeah. I highly recommend it. It's a really nice school. I mean, I haven't done a course there, but even just the location is amazing because yeah. it's right in Prenzlauer Berg and it's this really nice building and courtyard and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. um, obviously we can recommend them. If GLS is out of your budget, um, there are there's the famous Volkshochschule. How would you translate Volkshochschule? Community college? Oh, yeah, I guess. I guess it's kind of like a community college. It's like a yeah, school for adults Everyone. that exists everywhere in Germany. It's like a German concept where, yeah, it's basically community college, but you can do courses there in anything. Like they have a ridiculous amount of courses. Like oh, you yeah, can do that's a community college. cooking, I don't even know, yoga. Yeah. Anything. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's a good place. Do you know someone who did a course? That's there? the thing. I, I know several people, at least two come to mind, who've done courses and had really good experiences. Okay. Um, I think it's a little bit hit and miss because yeah, um, it really depends. In the end, it really depends on the teacher. I, I think and private, on the other people in the class. And on That's the other people in the class. The problem I've heard from people that if you have people who go there because they have to, but they don't have really an intention mm -hmm. to learn and they slow down the class it can be yeah. and you really want to learn it can be like mm -hmm. a bad experience but it is cheap and if you find a good teacher and have good classmates it can be amazing right i think private schools like gls have like a an overarching concept for the whole school and they train their teachers to adhere to that concept and they're also really good at splitting up the groups into very precise levels so that you're with people who are actually at the same level. Whereas Volkshochschule is a little bit broader, maybe, and you might be with people of varying levels. And I think the teachers kind of just do their thing a little bit. I don't want to do them injustice, but... No, um, they also have levels. You They have levels. I Yeah, I just think it's probably a little less maybe they, luxurious. They don't have super precise placement tests or exactly. something like that. You can register for any level and then you're in it. But like, do they have, so for example, GLS I know has like B1-1 and B1, I think Fox Social yeah, has yeah. that too. Okay, so yeah, I have heard good things about Fox Social and so I would say you can give them a chance. The building might be not <laughs> as nice. <laughs> give Fox Social yeah. a chance. <laughs> uh, anything else? Um, Online, I mean, there's Seedling, there's Duolingo, 
There's Easy German. Easy German. Have I was we about actually to say. spoken about Easy German. <laughs> we haven't. There is like uh, a podcast you can listen to. I kind of assume that anybody. Most of our listeners come from Easy German yes, podcasts, but, but, <laughs> but maybe if you not. Don't know. Maybe not. Maybe this yeah. podcast at some point will be. But you guys have some particular videos that are really good for just learning. Like, like, like you guys just released the like 100 words that you guys need to know. Mm. Um, yeah. So, like, there's a lot of basic um, A1 type of. Um, um, content that you guys have on the YouTube channel that's, that's very point. helpful that's true we do have an A1 playlist and we're constantly working on it even though um, the YouTube algorithm doesn't want us to do that because <laughs> if we release super beginner content to our advanced audience <laughs> hello if you if you are one of these people they I mean they often don't fully watch it because it's too beginners level but it's something that we want to do like it's on it's one of our goals to have like essentially a curriculum and to to you know for someone who learns a1 is able to find every topic that you also do in a class maybe you don't you know just watch easy german videos but maybe you do a course and watch them for repetition or maybe at some point we have so many videos that you can actually do a course with our videos let's see where this goes Mm, to be continued. <laughs> <laughs>